Hello, welcome to the monthly Skill Bite Show, where we share information that is geared to helping you succeed in your business. This is Judy Weintraub, CEO of Skill Bites and host of this show. If you want to position yourself as an expert, one of the best ways to do that is to become a published author. Skill Bites author platform provides the easiest way to get a book written and published. Today, our guest is Carrie Kathleen Heaps, publisher of Pageant Platform Magazine and host of Pageant Platform Podcast. Carrie's also the owner of Book Speak Repeat and is, and is also an established speaker and author herself. Carrie has interviewed celebrities such as co-host of Shark Tank, Barbara Corcoran, authors Larry Wingett, Jeffrey Hazlett, former Miss West Virginia and QVC talk show host, Kim Parrish, and many more successful business entrepreneurs. Carrie Kathleen is a sought after guest for many media outlets. Today, Carrie's gonna talk to us about how to get booked as a paid speaker. Carrie, welcome to the Skill Bite Show. I am so delighted to have you join us today. Well, thank you, Judy. It's such an honor and privilege to be here with you and your listening audience today. Can you start us off by telling us how you got into this business? What, what led to your becoming a, a coach for speakers and uh, writing your book and becoming a speaker yourself? Well, that's a great question. And I'll tell you, it's an, it's an interesting story. As far as uh, publishing is concerned, I, I have uh, three mini books that I've published and I have another one, another book coming out soon as well. But a friend of mine had actually prompted me. She said, you need to write a book. You need to write a book. And I was like, no, she, she kind of coached me through it of what I needed to get done. And I wrote one and I got hooked and I just started writing continuously. So I'm an avid fan of writer. And of course, that, that does help you get booked as a speaker as well. Um, as far as Book Speak Repeat is concerned, it was an interesting story how that got started because when I started my business 15 years ago, Judy, I wasn't looking to become a speaker. I kind of fell into that role. I was a former recruiter in the corporate world and when I went out on my own, I had a lot of people who would ask me, hey, you know, we have a, a college uh, a group of, of college students getting ready to graduate. Could you come in and, and teach them about resume writing and, and just how to interview more effectively? And I'm, I was like, sure. You know, I would go out to the college. I would teach and collect my check and go home. Um, but of course, back then, it was a different ball game. You know, there were more paid engagements than there were speakers. So, you know, meeting planners were kind of seeking me out on the college level and also, you know, for private company training. Training. So it was it was kind of different back then. Now I wasn't looking to be a speaker, so I just kind of got away from that for many, many years. And about four years ago, I decided, hey, I really miss speaking. I would love to get back into that. I, I think it would be a great value-added service I could provide. And my first gut reaction was, you gotta be kidding me. I mean, it was just it's so much more complicated these days. You know, if you want to speak to associations or trade shows, there's call for speaker forms or RFPs or, or just different ways that they want you to apply. And the same thing with the college market, depending upon who you want to speak with, staff or students, there's a different way 
to either apply or a different person you need to write a pitch to and in the private sector as well. And it was very overwhelming. It probably took myself and my team maybe six months before we really figured out how the process works, started accumulating a really big database. And, you know, I started getting booked as a speaker. So I said to my team, you know, we really should, this has got to be a pain point for other speakers. I think this would make an excellent service to provide. And that's where the idea for Book Speak Repeat was born. And, you know, here we are uh, just a few short years later and doing great. That's a great story. It's actually <laughs> kind of similar to my own in that I found that pain point when I was writing my own book and thinking, this has got to be a pain point for everybody else who wants to write a book. Exactly. I just figured it out. Maybe I can help other people and, and found that I enjoyed it as well. Absolutely. And I think that's the whole key. A lot of times you have to figure out, you know, if you want to start a business, what problem are you going to solve? And if you can solve a problem that other people have, you will have a successful business. I would imagine that that same advice applies to speakers. If you can speak about a problem that somebody else has that you can solve for them, then your speech is likely to be pretty successful and effective. Absolutely. You definitely need to have, you know, something that you're approaching that solves a problem for them. And, you know, if you have that, it's definitely a lot easier to get your foot in the door to have conversations and so forth, especially with how competitive it is today. There are more speakers now than there are paid engagements, so it's very competitive. So what, what other advice do you have for people who are looking to become speakers that you could offer besides the, the topic being one that uh, solves a problem for somebody? Well, I like to tell everybody, you know, whether you're at the beginning part of speaking, you know, you're, you're brand, brand new, fresh to the industry, or if you've been in it for a really long time, you know, the five things you want to make sure that you're keeping up to date and that you have ready to go at all times is, you know, first and foremost, your bio. That's your entrepreneurial resume. And, you know, each year, I, I highly recommend to everyone, take a look at your bio. What have you done? Like, this is the end of, of 2019. What happened this year that is worthy of going on your bio? Were you issued an award? Did you speak at a, a well-known event? Did you keynote it? Were you featured on a major media outlet? Always keep your bio up to date and keep it fresh. You know, you want to make sure that you're doing that so every time someone reads it, you know, if they're getting your bio a second time, they know there's going to be something different there. And of course, keeping it short. I've seen some bios where people have two pages and I'm like, look, nobody's going to read all of that. You know, keep it short. Keep it under, you know, two paragraphs. And your headshot. You know, everyone should be getting headshots done every year, especially in the speaking industry. If you can do it every six months, I would recommend that you do that. But every year's fine. The reason you want to have that is meeting planners don't want to publish your photo, you know, for a big show and it's at a large convention center and they think that's what you look like. And in truth, that's a picture of you 10 years ago and you've, you know, you've aged, you've changed your hair color or you've lost weight, whatever the case may be. If there's a last minute change and they're having to look through the audience, they're looking for you, they're texting you on your cell phone and you come up to them and you look nothing like the photo 
that, you know, that they've printed, it's a problem, you know, because people, you know, they, again, even the attendees will see that in the audience. They want to see, oh, that's what this, who the speaker is. They should be able to point you out in a crowd. So keeping your bio and headshot are two things you want to do. The third thing you need to have is your, you know, your topics. Look at your topics. You always want to have everything in the format of topic summary, three to five takeaways. So those are the other three things that you always want to take a look at at least once a year. And look at the marketplace. So for example, if you're speaking like you talk about becoming a published author, you know, so you want to look at this is the end of the year, what's coming up in 2020 in the publishing industry that people really need to know about what's been the industry buzz, what, what should you put in your topic or change your topic or your summary or add another takeaway that the audience members can learn that's going to help you get booked in the new year. So you always want to have all, you know, like I have people who will tell me, oh, I have information, I have topics ready to go, but it's not in the right format. It always needs to be topics, summary, three to five takeaways. So a real catchy topic, summary should be less than, you know, a short paragraph, four to five sentences about what that topic is about, and three to five takeaways, meaning if an attendee comes to your workshop or keynote, they're going to be able to walk away and implement those three to five things. So those are things that you need to have in place and you need to continually look at and update and refresh in every year. Yeah, that that sounds like it's a kind of a no-brainer, and yet I, my guess is there's a lot of people who don't even think about doing that. Well, there is, and I and I think too, a lot of times people make the mistake thinking the meeting planner will punch it up a little bit more. And the truth be told, they copy and paste what you submit. If they change one word, and you know this from publishing, if I change one word in your title, it can completely change what you're talking about completely change it. And that's the last thing that they want to do because if attendees are thinking that the topic, I'll give you a good example. I spoke at the wastewater treatment industry or wastewater treatment show in Indianapolis. Uh, I, this is going to be my third year in a row, but my first year they had me speak on succeeding in a male dominated industry and they let me come up with my own topics. So I thought it would be cute to say watering the seeds of change, um, you know, how more women are getting involved in the wastewater industry. And they didn't have my tagline on there. So it was just watering the seeds of change. And we actually had a few people, luckily as a speaker, I will go out into the audience beforehand and introduce myself, ask them why they signed up. What do you want to learn? Because sometimes they, they're coming because they want to learn something specific. So I try to cover that in my presentation. And I actually had someone in the audience who thought he was a landscaper and he thought that it was something on using different types of water <laughs> for fertilization oh, well. and so forth. So luckily I caught him before that would have been awkward for him to sit through that whole presentation. So, you know, sometimes just changing one word. So they're not going to do that simply because of that. You know, they don't want to change it to where the attendees are like, hey, I thought this was going to be about topic A, and it's really about something different. So they're always going to copy and paste what you submit. So they're not going to make changes to that. You know, if they see a misspelled word, yeah, they'll probably correct that. But as far as like changing it or punching it up, that's not their job. That is the speaker's job. Good point. Yeah. So, well, you want it to be inspiring or motivational just so that you can get their attention also. But yeah, you, you need to have that for them to use to promote your program as well. Absolutely. Okay, so you've gotten three done, right? And you have the, um, the bio, 
Yeah, you're, well, the five, the five that you want to have, you know, have it in place and continually update would be number one, your bio, number two, your headshot, number three would be your topics, you know, looking at those, making sure that they're industry related, um, you know, updating them if need be, and then looking at your summary. Do you need to punch that up? Do you need to change it a little bit? Do you want to change it? Uh, And the same thing with your three to five takeaways for each topic you have. So those would be the five things that you want to make sure you have in place before you go out on this crazy speaking journey. (laughs) Okay. So, um, if you have those things, how much, how important is it to have things like a sizzle reel or, or other things on, um, in a package or on your website for event planners to see who else you've spoken in front of? I mean, what, what else do you need to have ready? Well, the other things that you need to be working on that will not necessarily keep you from being Uh, booked as a speaker. The only thing that really keeps the speaker from being booked is not actively pursuing and closing opportunities. So as long as you have those top, those five things in place, I recommend to everyone, start looking, start going out there and promoting yourself. If you want to speak to high schools, start, get on the phone, call the high school. Hey, I would love to come and speak. Here's my topic. Who do I need to talk to? And, you know, continually following up and, you know, telling them why you're the best person to come in to talk to those high school students. So the only thing that really will prevent you from working is not pursuing opportunities, actively doing the work. The other things, like you were talking about video, which is a great point. Everyone thinks, you know, oh, I got to have a sizzle reel. I have to have video. To give you an idea, I have absolutely no video of me speaking and I work all the time. So it is not a requirement. You know, there are some meeting planners who will ask for it, but if you don't have it, if you have a media interview, for example, of you talking to a similar audience that they can listen to or see, that is good. I've had other meeting planners tell me, if you just have a a plain video, keep it under a minute. They don't really care about the lighting as long as they can see you. And they don't really care about, you know, the sound as long as they can hear you and hear your message. But what you're saying, you know, like, tell me something that's going to make me want to get up and change my life or, or get up and change the way that I'm doing whatever it is that you talk on. That's really what they're looking for is, you know, how you deliver your message. So we get asked for video maybe 50% of the time. But again, it's never a deal breaker. So I always tell people, if you're doing this on a shoestring budget, if you have the money and you want to invest in the sizzle reel, by all means, go ahead and make one. But are you going to need it? Is it going to prevent you from working? Absolutely not. Now, what we do get asked for 95% of the time is, are you a published author? That seems to be a running theme. And it's two reasons. Number one, they want to make sure that you're so confident in your message that you can not only express it orally on stage, but you can also formulate it in the written word. That's very important. Plus, if they have a book signing or if they're able to buy books for their, you know, the people who come to the workshop, then that's another added bonus that they have, you know, that you're a published author. So if you're going to worry about anything, if you don't have a book, I highly recommend start writing one. Yeah, Um, not only do they get to to have it in the back of the room to sell, which is good mm-hmm. for you as well as a speaker. But I think it just gives you so much more um, authority, Notoriety. credibility, mm-hmm. so that when they are promoting you and they have uh, on the promotion that you're a published author, 
they're going to get more people to attend. Absolutely. And, you know, and again, I, I've seen it happen many times. It's just really, you know, it's another way of saying, hey, I'm so established on this. I'm an expert on this topic. I can not only talk about it, but I've written about it too. And here's a copy of my book. Plus, this is another thing a lot of speakers can do to get a deal closed. You know, if you're talking to an event planner, and let's just say they're looking for a keynote, and they're doing their normal standard betting call with you, and they're asking their normal questions about, how do you feel that this could relate to our audience? And, you know, why do you feel you're, you're qualified to do this keynote? And, you know, let me tell you a little bit more about what the audience, the feedback we've gotten in the past, how would you overcome this? How do you make your presentation interactive? And, you know, by saying, hey, I'm also a published author. I've published a book on this topic. Let me send you a copy in the mail. Nine times out of 10, if you send a meeting planner a copy of your book, you know, prior to them making a decision, it will help close the deal for you. It really will, because they're going to take a look at it. They may not read the whole thing, but they're definitely going to leaf through it and go, okay, this is great. This is all covering things that we, you know, our, our attendees are wanting to know about. And yeah, if the attendees want more information, they can go on Amazon and buy your book, or, or they may even, and I've had meeting planners do this, where they will buy bulk copies of your book and put it in the bookstore where they'll schedule a book signing for you. And that's, which I think is awesome when they do that, but it's just another way for you to connect with your audience as well. So yeah, being a published author, that if you're going to do anything, anything at all, other than what I've already shared with you, you need to write your book. And if you're in the middle of doing it and you're floundering, get it done. You know, this is, this is the year to get it done. 2020 is a new year. Why not hit the, the year off with a brand new book? And it doesn't take a lot of time. I mean, it, it depends on how much time you can focus on it. But if you can focus on getting a book done, mm -hmm. you get it done relatively quickly. It doesn't have to be terribly long. As you said, you've written three mini books and you're coming out with your fourth. Um, you know, if you can get 100 pages done enough that you can have a spine on your book, because uh, mm -hmm. I've been told that meeting planners prefer to have books with spines. Mm -hmm. That's um, true. That's a smaller book. Um, mm -hmm. and you, you only need about 100, 510 pages uh, to be thick enough for a spine. The other thing that's great about having a book is sometimes the meeting planner can help you get a sponsor who buys a copy of your book for everybody who attends. So you can sell your book in bulk that way. And it's interesting too, when I spoke at the HRPA conference in Canada, which is Canada's version of SHRM, you know, the HR um, uh, Association, and it was their national show. Now I did a workshop and I think I had close to 200 people that were there and they scheduled a book signing for me. But what was interesting was I spoke on body language and they bought the books that I, the mini books that I have on media exposure. And even though they bought those and they scheduled a books, we, I still had people, I thought, I don't think anybody's really going to be interested in this. You know, it's an HR audience, but I, they pretty much sold most of my books. I think they had four or five left and people came by, took pictures and talked to me. I mean, it was just such a great experience and yeah, you never know where that's going to lead to, but it, as it turned out, there were a few people there who were, they're like, I'm really glad I connected with you because I want to go out on my own and start my own business. One lady was looking at starting a cake company, you know, to do wedding cakes, birthday cakes, things like that. And so she bought 
copies of my book. And I autographed those and took some pictures with her. And I just said, keep me posted. Um, and you never know where, where it's going to help somebody on their journey. So never assume that, oh, this audience probably would not relate to that. There's always going to be opportunities there. And I think having a book, again, I can't say, um, you know, if, you're, if it's up between a video and a book, go with the book. Because video, it's just not something they ask a lot of. It just isn't. Right, and you don't know if there could be other um, event planners or people in corporations who are looking for speakers who, when they see that you have books on other topics, those topics might be more relevant uh, mm -hmm. for what they're looking for. Absolutely. You just never know where the opportunities are going to roll in from. You have to stay open and, you know, just realize that sometimes that happens. You know, you're, you could be at one show and you could turn around, you could get a booking from it, but it's on a totally different topic or it turns into private company training for you. I mean, there's just, there's so many opportunities. Let's, um, let's back up a little bit when you were talking about taking action and calling meeting planners. Help us understand what are the things that meeting planners are most looking for today? That's a great question. There's a couple of things that they really look for in a speaker. And whether that's for private company training, uh, you know, to come in and train their employees for a week or to do a company keynote, or if it's a college, you know, they, they're wanting to bring in someone to train their staff or to talk to the students or these big shows. Um, they're all pretty standard across the board, what a lot of meeting planners are really wanting. It boils down to about four things. First and foremost, be negotiable. And what I mean by that is being negotiable on your fee. Now, we all have a fee structure that we want to keep to and, you know, we want to get a certain amount of money and we'd like to get more. But the reality is in today's market, because it is so competitive, you have to be negotiable on your fee or you're not going to work. It's or you may work, but it might only be once or twice a year unless you're a really established name, celebrity type. It is very hard to command a high fee anymore. They can find someone just as qualified that will do it for less money and is easier to work with. So always make sure you're going to be negotiable on your fee. You know, obviously have an amount in your head that, hey, this, I need to hit this to break even. And don't be afraid to tell them, no, I can't do it. You know, that there's no harm in that. But just know that you need to be negotiable. Uh, the second thing would be. Before we go to number two, mm -hmm. there's. There's different things that you can negotiate if you are going to reduce your fee. It's not just a matter of being flexible. You might be able to get them to video your presentation or do a certain amount of promotion or buy a certain number of copies of your book to hand out. What are some of the other things that you can negotiate um, if you're going to be willing to reduce your fee? Well, it's really going to depend with that on the type of event that it is. If it's a really big show like SHRM or APA or, um, I don't know, uh, HRPA, a lot of times they have a contract they, you're going to have to sign if you want to come and speak. And their contract, whatever it stipulates, there's really not a whole lot of wiggle room there. Now, with the smaller ones, like on a local or state level, yeah, there's a little bit more wiggle room, and you might be able to negotiate, hey, can I have my my topic videotaped? Can I have a copy of that? Um, can I have a copy of the attendee list? 
can I have, can you buy so many books? Um, that is another thing that you can offer. You can also ask them, um, hey, could I also do like a, if I do this, can I also do like a second breakout session or do something different for a little bit more money? So that way you get, you fill two speaking slots. So there's a couple of different things that you can do, but what it's really going to boil down to is each, that's one thing that's really complicated the speaking industry lately is that every single association, even though it's SHRM, SHRM in Louisiana and SHRM in Texas are going to operate differently. They have different people on the board. Um, somebody in Louisiana might say, yes, we'll give you a copy of the attendee list. And then you try to speak at the one in, in Texas and they're like, absolutely not. We can't share that list. So it's all going to boil down to each and every opportunity. And you have to figure out what you're willing to do. But obviously too, with, you know, I'm not a big proponent of speaking for free. I'm, I'm really not. Unless it's something that's charity related. I mean, there are speakers out there who will speak for free and there's nothing wrong with that. I do feel that you, you know, if you're a speaker and you've written a book, you've put in enough time and effort into what you're doing to become an expert and you really should be compensated something for that. So try to get something monetary, even if it's getting your, um, your travel and your hotel covered or your expenses covered, and you're going to get a copy of the list. If it's really a group of people that you feel the value of getting in front of that, hey, I could pick up 15 coaching clients from this group, great. Um, but you have to evaluate every opportunity separately. Because again, even though SHRM is all the same organization, Sherman, Texas, Sherman, Dallas, Sherman you know, Louisiana and Pennsylvania, they're all going to have um, different criteria of what they're willing to do and not willing to do. So don't make the mistake of thinking, well, the Sherman, Texas did that. So this Sherm chapter should do it. They're each ran by a different um, board of directors. They have different volunteers, different people who are making decisions. So it's never going to always be the same. Um, so there's just a lot of different things you can do, you know, including your book, asking for a copy of the um, attendee list, maybe doing an extra uh, video. I, there's just a lot of different things. Um, you can also add value and say, hey, I'm not going to drop my fee. But I find that does not work well, you know, because obviously, like I said, a lot of times budgets will interfere with this. You know, if they only have so much money, they can only work with so much. You're not going to be able to go beyond that. But just be willing to say, hey, I'll take less money if I can get, you know, a recording or if I can get the attendee list or if I can get so many books sold or can I sell from the back of the room. So just negotiate separately with each one because it's always going to be different. Does that make sense? It does. And, Good. and there, you have to be creative because mm -hmm. uh, there might be some opportunities for you from members of the audience if you're a coach or consultant or whatever and and um you could waive the fee if they give you the list if they give you more speaking opportunities if they do more promotion of you um you know you just have to think about what it is that you want to get out of it because by and large today there are so many speakers out there that are willing to speak for free that it is a lot harder to get paid or get paid very much to speak. 
It is. And, and like I said, back in 2005, when I first went out on my own, there were more paid engagements than there were speakers. So meeting planners were reaching out to people. They were seeking the speakers out. And today it's completely the opposite. It is a meeting planners market. And that's not going to change. And part of what has attributed to that, Judy, is the fact that there are so many people who have their own business now. And speaking is a sideline. I am one of those people. I do other things. I have a pageant magazine. I have books speak repeat. I do other things as well. So speaking, you know, it's something that I do in, in addition to everything else. And I love doing it. And I'm very passionate about it. And, you know, have there been times that, you know, I might only get paid, you know, $500 or $700 to go speak, but I still do it because it's, I love doing it. Number one, number two, I get an opportunity to travel and I try to factor other things into that, you know, other engagements or meeting with clients. And also too, the opportunities are always going to be in the audience. The money, the real money, you know, making big money will always be in the audience, no matter what. Okay, so back to what meeting planners are looking for. You gave us the first one to be negotiable uh, and flexible on your fees. And you said there were about uh, four, so three others. Yeah. So the second one would be, be easy to work with. And this sounds really, oh my gosh, that's, that's silly that I would even bring that up. I write a speaking column for She Owns It, which is a popular women's blog. And the first column article that I did, I thought, hey, it would be fun to interview a lot of the meeting planners we work with and just kind of get like the top five things um, that speakers do that prevent them from getting booked, you know, just to get everyone's feedback and I'll use the, the ones that are repeated the most. And after I was done surveying quite a few meeting planners, it was, I was almost embarrassed to even write it because that being negotiable was number one, which I thought was a very good valid point, but being easy to work with, you know, to me, that's something that we all learn, you know, everybody needs to get along. That's something you learn in kindergarten, but believe it or not, it's a huge problem in the speaking industry that it was everything from, you know, be easy to work with, meaning you're going to do what you say you're going to do. Um, you are going to return phone calls. You're going to return emails. You're going to get all of the information needed when it's needed or before the deadline, you know, because in meeting planning industry, if you're on time, you're late. If you're early, you're on time. So getting all of the items required in when you're supposed to and not being, you know, what they call blow in, blow out speaker where, you know, you're scheduled to speak at 10 a.m. You show up at 945 and you don't really communicate with anybody and you just take the stage at 10 o'clock. And then after you're done speaking, you run out the door to go to the airport. You know, they want speakers who are going to interact with their audience that are going to be approachable that, you know, hey, would you shake a few hands? Would you take some pictures? Would you um, answer some questions from the audience? You know, just be involved. They want to see someone who's going to be invested in the success of their event just as much as they are. And, you know, obviously, if you're willing to speak at the event, then you should be willing to do that. And I honestly find a lot of speakers, Judy, they're so, when they start in the industry, they're so passionate about their message. You know, they want to go out there. They want to help people. They're passionate about it. And along the way, they lose sight of their message and they make it all about the money. Well, I'm only getting paid $2,000 to do this keynote. I'm just going to show up and I've already made arrangements. I'm going to be leaving, flying out at 12 o'clock and they run out the door. Those are people who typically do not get asked back. So be easy to work with. Um, you know, very simplistic stuff. Be friendly, outgoing. 
uh, I recommend to everyone, one thing you can do that will really charm meeting planners is if you come early, interact with the audience, shake hands, get to know them, um, stay afterwards, answer questions, take pictures. Um, and that's really where you're going to get your repeat business. So number two would definitely be, be easy to work with. Okay. Well, um, it, it does sound like it's what we learned in kindergarten, but I guess <laughs> there's a lot of people out there who, who aren't easy to work with. So if you're easy to work with, then you're a step ahead of all of them. Exactly. And, and unfortunately, it happens more than we than we think there have been we, we were contacted a few weeks ago um, for someone they, they needed a fill in speaker and they booked someone and they haven't heard from this person for over two weeks. They're not replying to their emails. This is for a keynote. And I said, when is the event? And they said, next Thursday. This was on a Friday. And I said, there's nothing we can do. You know, it was just too, you know, too late in the game. Hmm. And, you know, they wound up, I think they found someone else locally. But just things like that, that you think, oh, wow, I can't believe that actually happens. But it does. You know, you as a speaker should be easy to get a hold of. You know, you should have your contact information on your website. And if you have someone, you know, if you're going to, you know, always have a backup plan. If you have a speaking engagement booked, if something happens and you get sick, have someone else that works with you. Or, you know, if you have a virtual assistant who can contact them to say, hey, this is what's going on. This is why you haven't heard from them. Don't just assume that you can tell them, oh, well, you know, I've had a family member that's been sick or I got sick. And I mean, again, these things do happen. But if you're going to be a speaker, a professional speaker, you're going to have to have a backup plan to alert the people that you're committed to doing business with, that you've already committed to filling that spot. You don't want to put them in a bad situation because that's only going to make you look bad in the long run. So be easy to work with, you know, just do what you say you're going to do. Yeah, having a backup plan is tough if, um, if you don't know somebody else who can speak on your topic. Well, not so much for a backup speaker, but just to let them know, hey, this person, you know, was in a car wreck or this person, you know, they, they just lost their mother. They had to go, you know, somewhere else. So that way it gives them ample time to find someone else. You know, un unfortunately for the meeting planner, and I did express this to her, I said, you know, if this ever happens to you in the future at two weeks, if you don't hear back from them, start looking for a, you know, meeting planners should have a backup speaker too, you know, just in case, because things do happen. I've spoken at events where a speaker couldn't show up because their spouse passed away suddenly, you know, so of course they're not going to be able to make it. No one could fill in that topic, but they didn't have that many people registered for it. So it wasn't a big deal, but always having a backup. But I think as a speaker, just having someone who can, you know, relay that information if something does happen, because you know, life happens to all of us, you know, flights get delayed. I was delayed um, flight wise in February. I spoke at the wastewater treatment show and I had to be in Columbus, Ohio the next day to speak at the Midwest Veterinary Association at 8 a.m. My flight got canceled because of weather and Delta was trying to put me on the flight going out that morning at 8.10 and I said, that's no good. I have to be in Columbus tomorrow morning. Well, it was a three hour commute. Now I've never driven in snow before because I'm a Florida girl. <laughs> so I couldn't oh run a car. So I wound up, I had to get a transportation company to, you know, drive me from the airport to my hotel in Columbus. And I got there like at 1030 at night, but that's what I had to do. It was, it's my job to get there. That's your job as the speaker. 
And I, it cost me a pretty penny to do that, but the event did reimburse me for it. And they said, thank you for doing that because a lot of times speakers would have just said, hey, I can't make it there. The weather's bad, too bad. And then there's all these segments that wouldn't have gotten filled. So it's your job to make sure you're getting there on time. Um, you know, again, just doing, it's, it's the common courtesy thing, showing up on time, showing up early and, you know, making sure you have a backup plan as a speaker. You know, what are you going to do? Okay, the weather's bad. What do you do? You know, it's still your job to get there. So you, you have to figure something out. Um, Jonathan Sprinkles, who is the speaker we have worked with in the past, and Jonathan shared a story with me one time. He's all he's from Texas. He he lives in Texas. So same thing. He's never driven in snow before. And he wound up, he had to rent a car. He had no choice. And he drove, it took him about eight hours to to get to where he was going. Um, and he was able to get a few hours sleep before he took stage, but he said, You you do what you have to do you know, one of the worst things you can do is cancel and say, oh, you know, I can't get there. You have to be willing to do what it takes to, you know, you made a commitment to be there. And, you know, doing things to ensure that that, like, in the future, I've learned my lesson to not book things back to back, because you never know what could happen. You need to give yourself an extra day if you're out on the road to two different locations. So just little things that you learn along the way, but you just want to make sure that you're doing your part and always have a backup plan as a speaker, you know, to at least get word to them or do what you need to do to get there and to get there on time and perform your best. Okay, so that's number two. What's, mm -hmm. what's number three? Number three pertains to your presentation. So one of the things that we've heard from meeting planners last year, and it's still going on this year, um, is how do you make your presentation interactive? Meaning, what do you do to engage the audience? Are you doing, you know, hey, everybody, I'd love to see a show of hands. Are you doing quizzes? Are you involving audience members? What are you doing to keep it interactive? Because the more interactive you can be with your audience, the more engaged they are, the more they're going to participate. We've all had this happen, you know, where someone has fallen asleep in the audience. And, you know, sometimes too, it's because, you know, they've, they've been out all night the night before and they just kind of slip into your workshop oh there's not that many people here and they just you know they're in the back row and they're they're asleep <laughs> so it has nothing to do with you personally it's just you know that does happen and then sometimes too you have people who just kind of their mind wanders and you know what are you doing to keep them engaged so have a game plan for that you know if you have nine times out of ten we all still have to have a PowerPoint because that's required especially if they're getting continuing education they have to have something to prove, you know, to provide to the association to say, hey, the, this person took this class, here's the PowerPoint. So even though you have to have a PowerPoint, you know, you can still be interactive with your audience. You can, you know, engage with them and talk with them, ask them to share a story or, you know, what's, you know, like what I've done in the past. If I'm speaking to an HR audience, I'll say to them, you know, who wants to share a story with me of, you know, you've hired someone and then six months later, you really regretted it. It turned out to be a bad thing, you know, that maybe they did something during their interview or something weird. And, you know, I'll see a, a couple of people that will raise their hands. I'll call on one or two, let them share their story. And I'll share with them some body language techniques that, yeah, when you see that, you know, if you see them, you know, their nose is turning slightly red, you know, usually they're, they're hiding something or if they're, if their legs are interlocking on the chair, uh, they're also, there's something they don't want to disclose to you. So if you're asking them, you know, have you ever been fired and they, you know, they're locking their legs around the chair, chances are they've been let go for something. So that, 
needs to have a little bit more investigation on your part as an HR person. So having them share stories, there's tons of different things that you can do. So I would suggest practicing on how you're going to make your presentation interactive and where you're not just talking at the audience, you're having a conversation with them. Yeah, practicing is something that um, whether you're practicing engagement or just practicing your presentation, it, 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 it seems like speaking 101, and yet um, there are an awful lot of people who go out there and think that they can come across sounding really great without the practice. I don't know how they do it. Most of the time, I don't think they do it very well. Yeah, and it is unfortunate because they have a great message. They're they're highly educated. They've they've got great content. It's just you have to put a little pizzazz in it sometimes. And I equate this to being an entertainer. I know speakers hate to hear this, but if you're a speaker, you really kind of are an entertainer. And it's just like actors. Actors have to practice their script. You know, you have to stay up to date. So you need to look at it as, hey, when I take the stage, I'm entertaining. I'm an actor. I'm a performer. And this is what I'm performing. You know, bodies don't lie. Um, you have to make it engaging. You know, I share funny stories. I try to make the audience laugh. And if you are able to inject humor well, but that takes practice. And, you know, even if you feel silly doing it, just lock yourself away in your office or in your home and practice your presentation of how you're going to deliver. Or, you know, if you want to practice, you know, maybe injecting a little bit of humor in it, you've never done that before you know, just practice it. The more, and you, you don't want to take your time practicing in front of an audience. You want to practice outside of the audience. So that way you can deliver really good content and in a great way. Okay. So now we've got uh, the three points. Uh, what's the fourth one that your meeting planners indicated are really important to them? The last one, which has been fairly new, we've been hearing a lot this year, and I'm sure next year it's going to be just as big audience retention. One of the things that's really plagued the meeting planning industry this year is people are seeing a drop in attendance in the bigger shows. The reason behind it is because you have a business owner who might be sending uh, you know, five or six employees to attend uh, the HRPA show or, you know, the you know, one of the tech shows or a telecom show in Vegas, you know, out of pocket, a company on average, if they're sending four to five employees is easily going to be spending anywhere from 10 to $15,000 um, between the attendee fees, hotel registration, expense reimbursement, airfare, you know, let's just say again for four or five employees. So the whole aspect of this is so they can learn what's going on in the industry. What can they use to bring back and help, you know, with bettering the performance of the company? A lot of times what happens is people go to these shows. They're three days long, four days, and a lot of information is packed into that show. It's They come back, they've got all this information, they're excited, and they can't wait to implement all of this. And then a month later, nothing's happened with it. So th from a business owner standpoint, they're like, I'm not wasting the money anymore, you know, so they're only sending one person or they may not send anybody at all just because they feel like, you know, their investment is not really paying off because people aren't implementing what they've learned. So audience retention is huge. So one of the things that you can share with meeting planners is, you know, let them know, hey, I know that this can be an issue sometimes. So here's what I do for, you know, to help you with audience retention. So for example, 
um, one of the things that I personally do is I will shoot a one minute video that they can use in their marketing efforts prior to the show. Um, so if it's bodies don't lie, I'll share, uh, you know, here's one of the things you're going to learn about if you come to my workshop and I'll share a little body language tip. And I'm looking forward to seeing you there, one minute or less. Just record it on your phone. It doesn't need to be fancy. I send it to the meeting planner. They use it in their marketing efforts on social media and in their email blast. And it not only helps to increase the attendance of your workshop or your keynote, okay, because people are seeing, oh, here's the speaker and this is what I'm going to learn. Um, but it's also, you know, giving them an opportunity of like, okay, this is, this should be a good class for me. You know, it, it gives them an introduction to you. So they see you in action before you even take the stage. Now, how you can help with audience retention, and this is something that I do, is after the event is over, I have two more videos that I will shoot one minute or less. And the meeting planner can send those out whenever they'd like. And again, I'll just share, hey, you remember me, you signed up for my workshop, bodies don't lie. Well, remember the tip I was talking about, and I'll just share whatever, one of the tips that I, I did. And remember how I told you to, you know, start jotting down notes about candidates that you've been interviewing? Have you been doing that? Are you using that list? So it's a nice little reminder. So the association can send that out to the people who went to my workshop, you know, a month after the event and it's like oh yeah I, I i haven't had a chance to implement that so it gets their brain working again and gets them to pull out those notes and start looking at that and then i'll do a second one same thing i'll share a tip that i talked about and you know have you been doing that have you you know do you need to download this list again you can go to my website or they can attach it to the email and they can send that out two months after the fact so it's just a way for them to you you have to work with them together. You know, meeting planners and speakers have to work together on that. But it's something good to say, hey, I realize this is a problem for you as a meeting planner, and this is what I want to do to help you solve that. So that way they know, hey, this person's going to help me create video, and it's going to be stuff we can use in our marketing effort and after the fact, so people are using, you know, the information that they learned, so they'll come back again next year. Because the more you can do to help them retain their audience and keep their audience coming back, the better. So those are a few things that you can do for audience retention. Great ideas, because that is a big issue I've, I've been to a number of conferences that just seem to be so much smaller. Mm -hmm. And I think if the speakers can do things that excite the audience, then uh, word's going to get around that they're the ones that you should hire for your next event. Exactly. And, you know, again, you have to work together. They, again, the more vested they see in the, that you are as a speaker in the success of their event, it's just going to increase your chances. I mean, you're not always going to get picked on that, but it does help you in the long run. It really does. And it's only going to take you, that's three minutes of your time. And of course, this will help you as a speaker because the more people see your name, that omnipresence, they they hear about you. If you get invited to come back, and I have like about, it's a 90% callback rate as far as, hey, we want you to come back again next year. Wastewater treatment show, my third year in a row, and I'll probably go back for a fourth. So the more you can do to be invested in their success, they will, and you do a good job presenting, you get good feedback they're going to invite you to come back. So that helps fill your calendar. And two, again, the more you're in front of these audiences, I can't say it enough, the money is in the audience. The wastewater treatment show, I get paid $700 to do that workshop. That's all. 
but I still fly to Indianapolis and stay for two days. I do other stuff while I'm there, but the reason I do it is because I always get business from the audience. Hey, do you do private training? Yes, I do. I'm happy to work with your sales team. I always get business from the audience, but if I am not there, I won't get that business. Okay, so uh, we just have a few minutes left. Um, any other tips that you want to share on getting booked as a paid speaker? I would say my biggest tip that I would want to share in closing, Judy, would be be willing to do the work. You have to participate in your own success. Don't assume that all of the, you know, people are going to come running to you to say, hey, I want you to come speak at my event. I'm not saying that won't happen at some point, but you have to do the work. You have to get out there. You have to call. You have to do a certain amount of follow-up. You know, if you don't hear back from a meeting planner, you know, two weeks is pretty normal that you don't hear back from them. Don't assume they're not interested. Interested. They have so many other duties on their plate. And a lot of times with these big shows, that is a volunteer job. So they have a full-time job, their own life, and they're on this board to select speakers. So if they don't get back to you right away, it means nothing. Still continue to follow up, call, send them a letter in the mail, a little card to say, hey, just looking forward to speaking with you, or here's a copy of my book. I can't wait to talk with you. Keep keep that cog going, keep that wheel turning. You know, it just, it's not going to be that, you know, a lot of speakers just assume, well, they never returned my call or didn't answer my email. They're not interested. That's not, that's not the case at all. You know, sometimes it can take a couple of months before you hear back from them. It's just the way the industry works now. So don't, it's frustrating, but don't let it frustrate you. It's just the way that the game is played. So be willing to do that follow-up work. Be willing to, you know, hustle and get them on the phone and make certain phone calls. Don't be afraid to pick up the phone. Um, you know, you as a speaker should be, I, I talk to everybody. I talk to homeless people. I talk to people at the airport. I talk to, you know, I talk to everybody. Um, I, I should be one of those people that hold up a sign that say, hey, I'll stop talking for $5 because I love to talk. So <laughs> you should love to be on the phone too. You know, you're, you're just, you're speaking, you're just speaking on the phone. So pick up that phone, do what you do best and start talking. Okay. Now you have an interesting program that helps get uh, people paid speaking engagement. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, well, Book Speaker Pete, what we do is we actually help take a lot of the work out of getting booked. So, you know, we have a couple of different programs. We do work with brand new speakers. We do a boot camp for them uh, to help get them up and running. And then for more established speakers, we have something called the Sapphire Program. And we, you know, gather call for speakers, all of the open calls that are out there every week and submit those to all of our speakers so they can pick through uh, select what they'd like and, and apply. We teach people how to get that application process done in less than an hour a week uh, through all of our online training. So there's a lot of great things on there for follow-up, closing, um, anything pertaining to getting booked as a speaker. So they have access to back-end content. They're eligible for speaking opportunities that are funded through our third-party sponsor program, which has been you know, going absolutely phenomenal. So it's a way to, um, you know, get paid through gigs that don't normally pay you. Um, so it, it's a wonderful opportunity. And then they also get an orientation call with a meeting planner to ensure that they're um, kind of working out any kinks in their presentation. Uh, they do a review of their marketing material. They provide feedback to the speaker. And it's also an opportunity to get booked as well. Uh, we provide lead lists. So we, you know, we do a lot of different things for the speakers in that program just to, you know, help them get jump started on 
what they need to do, you know, as far as like reaching out and, you know, doing their initial vetting calls with, uh, with meeting planners and follow up and closing and so forth. Yeah, it sounds like an incredibly powerful program. Do you have any statistics on how well people are doing in your program? Um, I, I have a few testimonials, uh, like video ones that some of my clients have done. However, I'm not a big proponent of that. And the reason being is because this program will be contingent on you're going to get out of it what you put into it. You know, so for example, if you're getting open calls every Friday, you know, just like all the other speakers are, but you're never applying you're not going to get booked. Uh, same thing too, when we book you, you know, well, when we submit you for opportunities through the third party sponsor program, if you're not reaching out to the meeting planner, you're not doing follow up uh, and doing what you're supposed to be doing on your end, you will not get booked. So you will get out of it what you put into it. Probably one of our biggest success stories to date right now is Dr. Gleb Sapersky. Uh, he is a Harvard graduate, uh, very uh, high level guy. He speaks on, you know, uh, not, you know, don't trust your gut. Um, he has a very interesting background, but he brings opportunities to us where people have wanted him to speak for free. They don't have a budget to pay him. So we're able to convert that in our third party sponsor program. And he's also getting booked through other opportunities. So he probably has, I think, about 12 engagements so far booked for 2020 through us. Um, so that's quite a bit. And, you know, he's getting more, you know, every week, it seems like he's, he gets booked every other week, but he's also putting a lot of time and effort into it. And then I have others who, you know, put in, you know, some time and effort into it and they're getting one or two engagements. So it's always really, it, it really just depends on the speaker and what they're willing to put in. Um, you know, it's not something where we, we can't sell you on, on, on the, you know, we can't sell a meeting planner on your program. You have to do that because you're the one taking the stage. So it really is kind of a, a, a group effort per se, and you have to be willing to participate, you know, show up, follow up, close, and, uh, you know, do what you need to do. Right, but, but you give them the list of all the opportunities so that they don't even have to look for that. Exactly, they don't. And like I said, sometimes we have speakers who uh, they just, for whatever reason, don't seem to be able to promote themselves. You know, they, they're great at their topic, but you know, that is a, a big requirement for a speaker. You've got to be able to sell. You really do. You have to sell yourself and, you know, be comfortable and confident doing that. So, and that is something we are coming out with a new class this year for speakers that are established that, that struggle with that for follow-up and closing and, and so forth, because it does seem to be a problem. So that's why I, I do tell people, I'm very honest, you know, I can't guarantee you're going to get booked, but I can guarantee you're going to get seen, you're going to get heard, you're going to have conversations with meeting planners. But what happens after that, it's really up to you. Now, I, um, I talked with you a little bit before this interview, and you mentioned that you were willing to offer a gift to the people who listen to this podcast. You want oh, to yes. share that? Yes, absolutely. So if anyone wants to sign up for one of our boot camps or the Sapphire program, what you'll do, um, just you've listened to the, the interview here on Skill Bites. So just at checkout, you're going to type in your discount code will be Skill Bites, all lowercase, and you'll get 10% off. Excellent. Well, that's very nice of you. Thank you very much. Absolutely. If people wanted to get in touch with you, um, Carrie Kathleen, what's the best way to do that? 
I would recommend going to bookspeakrepeat.com. And, you know, we do have our, you know, the emails on there, info at bookspeakrepeat.com. And we also have a, a contact us form. So if any speaker would like to have a free consultation, I'm always happy to have a conversation with the speaker. Our program's not a good fit for everyone, but I at least try to offer tips and suggestions that can help them along, you know, based on where they're at with their journey. And I'm always happy to try to help where I can. Excellent. That's wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being on the Skill Bite show today. I really appreciate the time that you've given us and all of the wonderful tips that you've provided on getting paid speaking engagements. Well, thank you again, Judy, for the opportunity. Again, it was just awesome being here with you and talking with you. And I hope that your listening audience got some great value out of what I shared today. Thanks again. 